Imagine a tomorrow powered by innovation, bringing the world together through real conversations about world-changing ideas, expert discussions with no boundaries. Coming up... Yeah, I believe every major brand in the world is either already looking at a metaverse uh, future or what that might look like for them. They've been hiring for it. Some have been acquiring, and they've got to uh, they've got to at least know that, that it's in their future and try and plan for how they will represent themselves in a metaverse or metaverses. I think that uh, any brands that aren't looking at that right now are going to be in trouble in a few years. This is the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Here is Michael Hainsworth. In popular imagination, the metaverse is all about consumers, video games, virtual concerts. But to Dorian Banks, the CEO of Looking Class Labs, the bigger picture he sees is B2B. He's building a platform that leverages Unreal Engine 5, once the domain of gamers, and now the world-building territory of Hollywood blockbuster films. The real power of the metaverse comes from combining technologies like smartphones and headsets, edge computing, and 5G advanced networks that will leverage and connect it all. Much like there's only one web, but millions of websites, Bank predicts forward-thinking companies will quickly stake their claim in the metaverse one way or another, and those that don't will be left behind. I define the metaverse as a digital uh, do-anything world of our real world. So a space where you can go online via headset or or your computer and become whoever you want and do whatever you want virtually. Why do we need this, though? It sounds like we've already got a lot of that stuff. We do have a lot of it, uh, especially with uh, online meetings uh, during work from home. But this is a, you know, a more advanced version of it where you can have a, a deeper experience, a greater experience. You can also meet with far more people. You can have corporate events, concerts, things like that. The idea being that I guess the COVID-19 taught us that we can work from home, but still be somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. It definitely, uh, the pandemic has definitely accelerated the adoption or, or pushed towards the metaverse, which I didn't see coming for another five years prior to the pandemic. But I have a webcam and a microphone. So I've got my teleconferencing calls and all that kind of stuff. Um, some suggest that this is a 2030 topic. It's not relevant now and you need new hardware. What do you think of that? Yeah, it might not be uh, extremely relevant to everybody right now or in the near term, but we're preparing for when it is. And that's what we're building for and other companies are building for. We're building for that 2025 to 2030 span when uh, there'll be a higher adoption rate. So the idea being now we're building that foundation kind of like how with web 2.0 we had incorporated e-commerce and all sorts of uh, capabilities that were only available because we now adapted it to mobile yeah exactly it's a it's a very early point right now in the metaverse space uh, using nft technology blockchain and uh companies that are building now will be the ones to succeed i think in five years why is nft why is blockchain why are these two technologies critical to the development of the metaverse in the first place well it's a web 3 uh, product which is uh, where you control your own identity and your own data as opposed to web 2 where companies control you uh, or control your data um, and nft and blockchain technology is is the way of doing that you're securing your own identity and uh, your own assets i suppose that's one of the biggest problems with the internet as we know it today we really don't have any means of accurately chaining uh, an asset real or virtual to an individual and we have real no way of ensuring that the person we're talking to is the person they say they are yeah and nfts and blockchain technology uh, allow us to do that they allow us to 
show that this particular digital asset is owned by this exact wallet and whoever's control of that wallet is the owner. So if you're building the metaverse or a version of the metaverse um, for 2025, 2030, it reminds me of how the internet today looks nothing like the internet of 2002 or even 2012. So what does the metaverse look to you like over time? Right now, it's in a very basic format. You go on your computer and you enter the metaverse, a very 2D experience, or you put on, a, say, an Oculus headset and uh, see a bit more uh, of a real version of, of this, these virtual worlds. Going forward, we're going to see more haptic technology come along. Maybe you're wearing gloves that provide feedback to your hands, or you're wearing some type of shirt or vest which provides feedback. And then eventually, we're going to start seeing um, you know, eyewear that looks you know, normal, um, but provides you an AR, VR, metaverse experience, uh, not only in your home, but when you're out uh, in the real world. It sounds to me, though, like building a metaverse in front of my eyeballs in 3D through whether it be uh, a headset like the Oculus Quest or something more advanced than that is going to require a shift in the way we get that content to my eyeballs. I don't want to walk around with a backpack with a personal computer attached to it. Um what role will the telecommunications network technologies play in bringing us this metaverse, this Web3? Well, in large urban centers with uh, the new version of 5G that's been rolled out in the United States, for instance, um, you know, it provides a massive amount of throughput, very, very low latency. So in, in, in those major cities that have 5G, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be an okay experience just via your cell phone. Um, in in rural, rural areas, of course, it's going to be it's going to be tougher on a on a normal four G network. When we think about this from the perspective of I'm an organization, I hear that the metaverse is going to be a thing in the not too distant future, and I don't want to be left behind. How do we, as business, approach metaverse? Yeah, I believe every major brand in the world is either already looking at a metaverse uh, future or what that might look like for them. They've been hiring for it. Some have been acquiring. And they've got to uh, they've got to at least know that it's in their future and try and plan for how they will represent themselves in a metaverse or metaverses. I think that uh, any brands that aren't looking at that right now are going to be in trouble in a few years. It sort of reminds me of back in the early days of web adoption that there were companies who are saying, "What do I need a website for? This internet thing's going to be a fad." Yeah, I remember, the, I remember the early days too when you'd buy some type of technology and you'd think, oh, I want to update the, the drivers for this or the software. And you'd go to the company's nascent website and they'd have no downloadability for, uh, for any other software. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be in that position now because uh, th- things are moving much quicker than they were 20 years ago. So then how do we explain to the, the corner office, the C-suite, that this is not uh, just a buzzword. This is not something that is going to be a fly-by-night. This has staying power. This is the next version of the internet. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a, you know, you've got to talk to uh, the C-suite and say, look at it from a customer perspective point of view or a marketing point of view, or really even a revenue point of view. Uh, Somebody like Uber Eats, for instance, you know, can open up stands in various metaverses and, and sell directly to the consumer in the virtual world and, you know, your burrito or pizza is delivered to you half an hour later to your, your real life apartment. Those are the types of examples that, uh, that I give out. Okay. But if I want a burrito, it's easy for me to go to my Uber Eats app, type burrito in, and within minutes have a burrito en route to the house. Why would I need to put a pair of goggles on to do that? <laughs> yeah, maybe you wouldn't go and put the goggles on specifically for that. But if you were in a metaverse, 
and you did want to order food uh, and you're in a high res universe, you can go and look at the food right there and see, do I want to eat that? Is this a, is this a plate of food that I want to deliver to my house? You'll actually be able to see an almost real version of it in the, in the metaverse. So it sort of feels like building a new neighborhood. You can raise the ground, you can put up the houses, um, but eventually you're also going to see small businesses move into that neighborhood, larger companies as well. And suddenly it becomes a walkable neighborhood because it's not just the corner store that you have access to, but you've got access to your bank, you've got access to your Starbucks, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly how I envision it happening for businesses. I use an example where if Tesla is going to launch a new a vehicle, Maybe you, you show up to an event in a metaverse and you get to see the vehicle released by Elon there, the 3D Elon, and uh, you can hop in a model and rip around a track uh, and it all looks and uh, looks like it would in real life. The only thing you might be missing are the G-forces from the acceleration in the corners. Ah, but then that's where the haptic feedback comes in. Yeah, exactly. So you maybe will have some type of device that presses on your chest or your arms or something like that um, that would could provide that feedback if that's something you're interested in. We're talking literally Ready Player One. Literally, yeah. So I understand how maybe Tesla would want to be a front runner in the world of the metaverse because a $120,000 car purchase is not a an impulse purchase for most of us. And so you really want to get a feel for it. You want to feel what it's like to be behind the wheel, uh, press all the little buttons, that sort of stuff. But why would Maytag want to be on the metaverse? Yeah, so think of it uh, as a... A consumer who has a, a Maytag um, washing machine and they've got some problem with it. Maybe there's two lights flashing or, you know, it's not turning on or something like that. They can show up, uh, teleport to the Maytag office in a Metaverse, uh, immediately talk to a customer service representative right there, tell them the model they have, and that person will materialize that exact washer right there in front of them. And you'll be able to point and go, this light's flashing, this light's flashing, or this little part of the door won't close. And they can troubleshoot it like in real time with you right there while you're looking at a virtually real uh, washing machine right in front of you. And so if you think about that brand experience, that advancement from the way you get customer service now via the phone or a chat window, this is like light years ahead. And I guess this comes back to the idea of critical mass where you may not put on a, a, a VR headset or augmented reality glasses specifically to talk to Maytag or specifically to buy a burrito, but while you're doing other things in it, the more that are involved in a version of the metaverse, the more functionality it has for you as the end user. There's no question. I, I equate it to making a restaurant reservation. If you're sitting on your couch and you've got your phone right there, you could easily call the restaurant and make a reservation. Or if you're sitting in front of your computer, you can open up their page and make the re reservation or via open table or something like that. It's the exact same analogy. So then what are some of the early success stories in this Wild West style land grab of the metaverse? I'm not sure there are any real success stories yet. It's still so new. Um, I mean, some of the metaverse have been selling land, um, you know, actual properties that have been trading for thousands of dollars. So maybe they've had some early success in, in generating revenue. But uh, I wouldn't say that there's any any real brand success yet. But I think but by the end of this year, there will be. And what type of industries do you think are going to be those early adopters on that bleeding edge? I think you're going to see a lot of tech, a lot of lifestyle companies um, that, uh, you know, sell like limited edition clothing, things like that. You know, even even Gucci's dropping NFTs now. They're accepting crypto at four or five of their stores in North America now. 
Uh, and you, you're going to see these companies that really want to, or the brands that want to set themselves, as, you know, in the forefront of technology, hopping in. What role does NFT, what role does the blockchain, these types of technologies play in building the metaverse? NFTs and blockchain technology, that's digital ownership. So I can prove that I own that, you know, 3D robot suit that I want to wear in a metaverse. So I'll enter a metaverse um, that will look at my wallet and it'll see what NFTs I own and it'll see which ones are compatible with their version of the metaverse. And it'll import and allow me to say, put on that robot suit in their engine or drive a particular car or spaceship. Uh, And those were all things that were held in as an NFT in my, in my wallet. So it sounds to me like identity management is a critical component to web three. Whereas when we had web one, when we were getting the internet with things like email, it didn't occur to anybody that we would need to build in protections for things like spam. And it took us recognizing that we were missing that identity component that prevented people from spoofing who they claimed to be. It feels like we're, we're resolving that type of problem with Web3. Yeah, that Web3 is a control of your own identity and prove your own identity, uh, prove your owner, what you own digitally. Um, and that is the big jump from Web2 where, you know, you were, you were basically a, a Google login or a Microsoft login and they controlled your identity or in web one, say the AOL days or CompuServe days, where you were just in a walled garden and they just controlled everything. So we should probably talk about those walled gardens because the metaverse in and to itself seems to be an umbrella term for a lot of individual metaverse experiences from different organizations. Yeah, uh, you know, you could look at them as walled gardens or or different metaverses as we tend to think of it. Uh, there's going to be low res metaverses for uh, places with lower bandwidth and less computing power. Uh, there's going to be uh, specific metaverses, say for sports or music or concerts, uh, and then uh, art metaverses, gaming metaverses, uh, and you'll go to whichever one uh, suits your fancy for that that time, or 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 you maybe you're just stuck in one all the time. Okay, so that's the consumer side of it. That that's our end of it. What about from the business perspective? If I'm a, a, a company. A, a business, small, medium-sized enterprise, maybe a large corporation like your Maytags, et cetera. How do you establish a foothold in the metaverse when, as we've just pointed out, there are a whole bunch of different platforms that all fall under the umbrella term of metaverse? Yeah, well, metaverse being a, you know, a very it word right now or you know, a hyped term, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of people announcing they're doing metaverses are going to build one. Eventually, it's going to fall out to where there's a you know a, a dozen or something like that. I believe uh, where you've had some mergers between like metaverses um, or you know some just go away, uh, and and the brands will you know migrate to the one that or ones maybe that suit their brand. So one that maybe is you know controlled a little bit more, where there's not a lot of um, trolling uh, and and you know it's remaining within the law. And I think you're going to see brands migrate there. So this isn't a case of Web 2.0 or Web 1.0 where companies went, oh, we need a website. Companies aren't going to say, oh, we need a metaverse. They're going to partner with another organization that is the platform of choice for that particular use case. I think the majority of brands will do that. They will migrate to a metaverse that already exists and they'll set up shop there, so to say. I think there will be some major brands that try and build their own and will you know, still still not sure how that's going to work, but uh, I know I know some that are. So it's not a case of I buy a, a VR headset. It only works with one metaverse, not another. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, most VR headsets, you can, you can, you know, plug in anything right now, um, especially if you're technical, but uh, eventually you'll be able to go to all different metaverses via different, different headsets or, or viewing platforms. So then for a business looking to make a move into the metaverse, what's the most common misconception that business has about metaverse? Uh, well, I think the number one, even before that, is that they don't believe it's going to be important uh, or relevant to them, which I, I do believe is wrong. Uh, the other misconception is that it's uh, it's going to be you know extremely costly and technical and, and difficult to do, whereas some brands have already entered it by buying virtual land and getting ready to set up shop. What do you make of that land grab based upon the fact that we've just finished talking about the fact that the metaverse is an umbrella term for a lot of different platforms? Yeah, so people, I think that consumers especially, are looking at metaverse land as comparing to real world land where there's a, a, a finite amount of it and they want to get in early and, and ride the wave of, of appreciation or value appreciation. I think that's what's happening. Which doesn't make sense to me because, you know, hard drives are infinitely fillable. You can have more of them. Yeah, yeah. And you can always create more digital land, I suppose. But uh, the metaverses that are out there right now have all announced a finite amount of land, which uh, for their particular one. So you've got Project Origin. How do you describe it to your mom? Uh, yeah, our, our Metaverse Project Origin built on Unreal 5 is a uh, very high resolution digital world. You can enter, meet up with your friends, look at art, do social things, go to concerts, all via headset or your, your computer screen. The use of Unreal 5 is a very specific decision you've made? Yeah, very specific. We decided to go extremely high resolution because uh, we're more of a social and art based Metaverse as opposed to you know, uh, gaming or something like that. So what makes it high resolution? Well, Unreal 5 uh, and, uh, engine is extremely high res, uh, tough to differentiate from real life. In fact, um, when you're experiencing it with a headset, uh, it has unlimited polygons. So basically it can represent the real world right in front of your eyes virtually. As I understand it, Nanite is that underlying technology, whereas in the past, if you wanted to create uh, an object like a car, it had a certain number of polygons that made up the look of that car. And you were limited by the, the computing power to be able to generate those polygons. Whereas now with Nanite, you can infinitely zoom in and it just continually caches and pulls in the necessary data to just get higher and higher in that resolution. Yeah, and, and, and that Nanite technology, basically it works around, it, it's only going to deliver you the information that's really relevant to you right at that moment. So you're only, whatever's in your exact view plane is the only information being delivered to you. Which is, a, which is a new way of doing it. And that's why they can get this incredible resolution. And I can imagine once you combine that sort of thing with 5G and edge computing, you're looking at recreating the real world virtually. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was in a, a virtual world the other day with a headset on and I had to scratch my, my neck. I was itchy. <laughs> I put my controller down on the desk in front of me and I heard a bang and I'm thinking, well, what was that? And I pull off my headset and I realized I'd set the controller down on a virtual table. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I've 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 had similar experiences um, with Quest. Um, there are games you can play and you'll hide behind a virtual barrel so you don't get shot at. And if you're not careful, the immersion is such that you might actually lean in and lean against a barrel that doesn't exist and find yourself on the floor. Yeah, you've definitely seen some videos online about that person running into their own TV or directly into a door or wall. So it's, uh, it's definitely something you got to be careful. 
After this podcast, learn more about the metaverse and other insightful topics by going to nokia.com slash real conversations. There, you'll find additional information linked to today's podcast. So using Unreal Engine 5 to build Project Origin, Meta, on the other hand, is going very cartoon-like while you're going very realistic. How do you balance look and feel with functionality? Yeah, so uh, Meta or Facebook, they're going with this more cartoon imagery, as, as you you mentioned. I think that's really just due to their their audience. Um, that's uh, they they have a lot of audience in the you know non high broadband world, so they need to deliver an experience that they can get to those people. We've uh, specifically focused on extremely high resolution because that's the type of uh, world we wanted to build. We want to build one where you can see art in in infinite polygons, as as you, as you said. I guess it's kind of like how PlayStation would go super high resolution, but Nintendo went more cartoon-like because that's what their audience was looking for. Yeah, exactly. It's it's who you're trying to bring in. And we're not trying to bring in the entire world into ours. We're trying to bring in people who are specifically looking for this ultra-realistic experience. So what's the unexpected lesson that Looking Glass Labs has learned from building Project Origin? Well, I think that everybody building a high-resolution metaverse has run into the same issue, and that's how many people can you get into one area? right now to hold a, a, a concert in a high resolution metaverse and have 50,000 people there. It's just not possible. It just, we just can't render it with the computing power that exists right now. So that needs to get overcome right now. It's easy to bring in, you know, a thousand or something like that, but to, to really push it to where everyone, uh, it, it, you can have as many people as you want in a, in a scene. That's the, that's the issue. So what's the advice that you provide a, an organization that's looking to stake a claim as it were in the metaverse? Well, I'd say, you know, have a staff member or staff, um, you know, follow the Metaverse uh, story right now and start thinking uh, of how they're going to establish their brand in the future in one. Um, or, you know, as, as Adidas has done or, and others is acquire an NFT blockchain company. Adidas um, purchased Artifact Studios, uh, the, the digital sneaker maker. And, and, you know, that's how Adidas is, uh, is approaching their entry. I can imagine to build an effective metaverse presence, you're going to need partnerships, you're going to need collaboration, you're going to need ecosystems. Yeah, you're going to need all those things. You're also going to want to bring in, um, you know, uh, other people that have a name maybe and have them build build in your land, uh, build on your metaverse so that they can bring along, um, you know, their followers. And that's how you that's how you get a critical mass. So let's talk about the role that NFTs play in the metaverse, because you know when people think of NFTs, they, they think of a multi-million dollar picture of a monkey. Yeah, so uh, NFTs can have any real value uh, from zero to you know millions of dollars. But as far as their use in the metaverse, when you enter uh, uh, most metaverses, you'll have to connect your NFT wallet and it will scan your wallet and look for what NFTs you own that are compatible with that metaverse and they'll show up, uh, you know, in your world and you can put on that 3d robot suit or your angel wings or whatever that NFT is that you've got. And that's how NFTs are, are going to be used in the metaverse. It sort of brings us back to the idea that web 2.0 didn't really have a, an ownership component or an authentication method to ensure that you are who you say you are. NFTs will play that role and the blockchain will play that role in web three and the metaverse. Yeah, and it also allows you to take your owned assets between different metaverses as opposed to being, say, a walled garden where you've purchased a pair of, you know, digital Levi's jeans that can only be used in that specific metaverse or that that specific world. This is a this is you take your stuff with you as you as you move around. 
I, I can just imagine some people thinking, you know, that's ridiculous. Why would I want, you know, virtual goods, pay real money for virtual goods? But I think we that ship long ago sailed. You know, you could just look at Fortnite as a perfect example where people are willing to pay real money for virtual things. Yeah, really, it's been going on forever, especially if you, you even think back to the early World of Warcraft days where you you would, you know, get virtual gold or virtual silver and you'd, you'd be able to buy things in game with it. And your character would accumulate these or your account would accumulate these 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 digital assets that suddenly became quite valuable. Right. We had an entire industry born out of that, of people playing the games and then handing over those characters to other people so that they could pick up where they left off. Yeah. And the interesting part about it, uh, that concept now is with NFTs and blockchain technology, you can actually show someone that you own those things before you do that asset transfer, as opposed to, you know, five or six years ago, you'd go to transfer an account and it, it you might not be provable that it's yours. And, you, you know, you've got a scammer taking money from you. Can we have the metaverse without NFT? Sure, sure. There, there'll be a version of a metaverse, uh, more of a digital world concept and maybe more of a walled garden. I think it's really the direction that Facebook is going more in where you're, you, once you enter there, you're in their world and they control their digital assets uh, internally. How concerned are you that we're creating these walled gardens in the first place? You know, some of them will be walled gardens or very, very, you know, maybe more closed, but there's going to be a lot of open metaverses where anybody can show up. I think there's even an open metaverse project going on right now where they're trying to build it in a 100% open world. So then how do we avoid the hype about the multiverse, blockchain, NFTs, when building a business case for our organization getting involved in a metaverse platform? Yeah, of course, it's a it's a very hyped word right now. Metaverse, uh, NFTs, and blockchains all all you know right at the forefront of technology talk right now. But at the end of the day, we've got to look past that. Businesses have to look past that and start planning for their future in these in this space. Otherwise, they're going to get left behind in a branding and marketing and even sales sense. I, I wonder if the biggest stumbling block or, or the biggest hurdle to metaverse adoption right now is hardware. It's definitely one, uh, you know, especially for high resolution metaverses, you're going to need very, uh, very good hardware, PC or, or Mac uh, or a headset, and you're going to need a, a good broadband pipe. Um, for the more pixelated or lower res metaverses, you'll be able to deliver those down a 3G pipe or better um, to, a, to a much uh, lower, lower grade or lower power, lower powered PC. It sounds to me, though, that if you combine metaverse technologies with 5G advanced for ultra low latency communications and high bandwidth, along with edge computing, that this is where I slide on a pair of sunglasses that happen to be AR compatible. And now I'm walking through the real world that is metaverse enhanced. Yeah, and that's kind of the rumor for Apple's upcoming headset or glasses is that there'll be more of an AR experience where you'll be able to wear them and and see you know the space literally around you but you'll get it enhanced digitally from um, a metaverse uh, info flow um which you know, so you'll actually be seeing two different worlds at once but that's rumored to be a three thousand dollar piece of kit it, it feels like we're rebuilding the digital divide like every new technology uh, it starts off quite expensive eventually it gets more realistic in price and uh maybe uh, new newer versions of it come out um that uh, are more accessible all right so the cocktail party question what's your favorite metaverse use case that would get your mom going i need in on this <laughs> i'm not sure my my mom's a good candidate for this but um <laughs> no isn't isn't our mom collectively and generically yeah, yeah. the perfect example because once mom gets in on it 
then that means that we're all in on it. Sure. Sure. I think that, uh, you know, uh, something like uh, virtual cooking um, classes is a great one where you can actually walk into a kitchen in this metaverse and learn from Martha, virtual Martha Stewart. And she, you're going to be standing over there right beside her and you're going to have real trouble differentiating that from real life. And she's going to look at what you're doing and how you're, you know, you're chopping haphazardly and, and correct you right there. Or maybe uh, you learn a whole new recipe uh, by uh, Julia Child or something. Okay, I only have one last question. It sort of feels like a variation on GIF versus GIF. I've been saying metaverse. You've been saying metaverse. Yeah, I mean, even in our office, people say it both ways. <laughs> the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Building a future that's sustainable, productive, and inclusive together. Discover how by visiting nokia.com slash no boundaries.